There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with special guest TJ Miller. Nate Stevenson and Mandy Brabernard. I like that whisper. Thing. I was gonna say, I don't know why I made that sort of the phone sex voice thing. TJ Seductive. Miller. I just also have a very raspy, gravelly voice. I do sound too. like a cowboy drag queen who chain smokes. I don't know about the drag queen part. Let me think about it and get back to you. But I think, do you think, um, do you think in part that's why people like our voices? Because I just feel like if you have a gravelly voice, it sounds like. You know, maybe you're like a smoker, used to be a smoker. You're kind of, it just feels like the American ideal of that kind of cowboy thing. I'll tell you why. We've got to take a quick break and I'll tell you exactly why people like your voice. At least from my experience. Wow. We'll be right back. It's, it's good, man. You'll like it. You take breaks very quickly. Yeah, we're taking was, a break already. Well, no, no, no. We just get it out of the way. Okay. I do it every 15 minutes. That's a two okay. minute break. Yeah, it's two minutes. Commercials. No big deal. We'll be right back. I have to pay my son. Yeah. yeah. Directly. <laughs> he's directly, he's yeah, the one exactly. advertising. That's exactly. Andy here. If you're looking for somebody that's living <laughs> off their father. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh, you didn't even smile at that one. Yeah, yeah, well, let's see. Let's see. Well, let's talk about my daughter. I think she's in the same deal. So it all works. We'll be right back with TJ Moore at Rick Bronson's House <laughs> Comedy tonight and tomorrow night, two shows. Be right back with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. 
It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Recently, the four Walzer dealerships in Burnsville, Walzer Subaru, Walzer Honda, Walzer Nissan, and Walzer Mazda encountered a hailstorm. Adjusters flew in from around the U.S. to handle a claim on what will be over 2,500 new and used cars. They've drastically reduced the pricing on these vehicles, and there are some wonderful bargains available. But here's the deal. I normally hate the hurry-these-won't-last style of marketing, but in this case, it is true. It's not like they'll go into the back lot at night with hammers and make more. I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb. Don't bring him up up. here, because you might not want this on the air. Now he's not going to... You know, He'll never care. listen to this. Yeah, because he probably... <laughs> well, thank you. No, 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 he, pro- he probably doesn't like me either. No, I, was just, I was just saying that, you know, my wife's younger brother has her in his phone as my bitchy sister. There you go. And it's like... I feel much wow. better now, TJ. I feel right, like right in the club now. I think that's really it. And then my sister has a whole narrative that's like... You know, yeah, it's just families <laughs> kind of want to build their own narrative to justify, I think in these cases, either envy or awkwardness or something like yeah. that. Well, but, I tell you what, the one, the one problem I have. But come it, see me at the comedy club. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Ross tonight, House of Comedy tonight, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night and not Sunday night. That's exactly right. So if you show up on Sunday, I'm not going to be Forget there. it. Yeah. Well, you will be. Well, we do, we do have your feature on Sunday. Yes, Cash, Cash Levy, Levy who's yeah. hilarious. That's right. that's right. And that's the fun thing about the show is you get uh, you get two headliners for the price of one. See? Yeah, he's a nationally headlining comedian and just hysterical in his own right. So mm-hmm. it's really fun. That's what I that's what I hear a lot is people after the show go, "Wow, you know, both of you guys were so good because it's just a two man show." And I say, "Yeah, of course." And then you know, occasionally people go, "I didn't." You know, usually I come to these things and the opener just isn't funny at all. And I go, well, I don't, why would you want to tour with someone who, you know, isn't funny? I guess sometimes the club chooses that person, but. So, TJ, what do you think Cash knew he was funny? (laughs) (laughs) Was he the class clown? Was he the, was Cash? We were just talking about how so many interviewers just do the same. You know, when did you know you were funny? And I'm thinking, nobody listening to this. (laughs) cares well you know sixth grade yeah, and it was grade. i think it was early june i mean yeah it doesn't, nobody cares about that it's exactly right and i don't think people who really are funny know when they knew they were funny yeah you're saying that i think that's true too yeah i also think that's why people like podcasts as much or if not more than terrestrial radio because mm-hmm. it tends to just settle into a more casual conversation especially because you don't have to Watch what you're saying every moment. Right. Because I so often am about to say, fuck, and then on the radio you have to be like... You do it on our, my show, I don't care. Yeah, these mother, I mean, mothers the morning show, other too. people, you know. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't care, I'm not there, I do that. Honest to God. Yeah. No, I, I just think it's, it's terrific that... Um, you know, a lot of people try their best and all the rest of it, but I, my favorite is still the guy who gives you... 
because like like I said when I when I did certain things or I would do radio tours as well to promote this podcast. I did a terrestrial radio tour. Really? Yeah, I do it once in a while. Yeah, and they're really nice people on the But one show I went on, they gave me a, a piece of paper and said down said write down five things I should ask you. Uh, and I basically wrote down, fuck off. That's what I basically yeah. wrote down. I, I, why isn't that your job? I, I did a show recently, and I, for, I I can't even believe it. I think it was in Phoenix, and I had done it before. But they the producer or somebody sent me a questionnaire to fill out before the show, and yeah. it was exactly that. But it yep. was it, it it had questions that were like, "Is there something funny that's happened to you recently?" Do you have a story about a celebrity or what, you know, what were your jobs? And then I got there and it was these two dudes that I know, um, where, what it was in like, oh, it was for a theater at Ridgefield in Connecticut, but I had done a club in Connecticut in Bridgeport and I had already done the show with them and one of the guys does stand up. And so I'd invited him to do stand up and I show up and I'm, we're doing the interview and at the end of it. He holds up this like sheet of stuff that he usually is supposed to like subject points and it was blank. And he was like, yeah, you were coming in. So I figured, you know, I know you're just going to go off and do whatever. And we're going right. to. So I filled this thing out for no reason. And it was <laughs> such a terrible use of my time. And those guys are great. They're super funny. And Chaz and AJ in Connecticut, they're super funny, you know, really good interviewers. So I, I just think it's it's kind of hilarious that pe- – I mean, who are these people that they think that that's the hilarious thing to come up with? It's, all, it's, it's so often the same question. So it's yeah, really refreshing it, it to kind of sit and have somebody just sort of talk and not feel like it needs to – that's one reason I wanted to do this show. I mean, it's exactly why I wanted to do podcasts because I, I have conversations with people. You know, if, if people want to do whatever they want to do, I don't get in their way. But I, I just want to have a conversation about life in general. And look, I, I, here's my deal. You know, I think it's great to, to, to have comedians in the world because everybody is such a mean prick right now. It is unbearable. I mean, it's unbelievable how mean people are right now. Well, I think everybody's really upset because it feels right. like in the last little bit, just in the last couple of years, America went from being the greatest country on the face of the earth to kind of a dumpster fire. I mean, there's still so many amazing things about it. And I right. I love especially traveling in America. I'm not a political comedian, so I kind of get along with everybody. And then the films that I've done sort of everybody likes. So I have good experiences with almost everybody. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't do things that are so, so polarizing, polarizing. I think the media needs clickbait. So they'll quickly paint anybody. And so they've painted me. Yeah. They've painted me in some cases, actually quite a few, you know, as this terrible guy or this guy that I just, that doesn't make sense to me, but also it took me a second to separate myself from that and the actual American public, which is very, very nice to me when they see me and interact with me. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's on Twitter. Everybody's hiding behind a keyboard. No doubt. Saying, fuck this guy and you're a fucking piece of shit. And just all this crazy stuff. And I, well, I did that before you got here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You're writing it down in your your Google docs, but it's, (laughs) it's just this thing of kind of why 
you know, what is really the point of that? Kate and I talk about that a lot. We yeah. sort of go, uh, where, where is that energy coming from? Where is it going to? And something as a, you know, a person of some notoriety, um, I've also experimented with like just unplugging, you know, just mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, not. Um, yeah, and move. it was in fact, Louis CK that told me he, he just said, I'm done with, the." An iPhone. I use it to record my sets, but he's got a flip phone because people just say the most horrible things about him. And he's just been villainized. So absolutely. And, you know, the general public adores him. He announced when he announced his tour and he did Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, he sold out in 20 minutes. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you've got really a lot of people that are kind of going what they really do see it as clickbait. You, You said it immediately. You're like, that's all it is. And I hate that media has put itself in a position where the president can say this is all fake news and this is this thing because mm-hmm. there is that absolutely and it's so it is, it's yeah. it's also yeah. it's it's not necessarily fake but it's sensationalized it is mean spirited mm-hmm. as you said it's just it is, yeah. it's been that way forever though I mean but it's really it's, yeah, it's, it's really a really bad now, gradient or, of how bad it is or maybe. It's that there's so much of it. Well, so we used to sort of much. see, yeah. but now it's just on your phone. It's notifications. It's but there's got to be literally ten thousand news sites just based out of America. Probably even more. Yeah, and the cycle went from being uh, once a month to or, once a yeah. week yeah. to once a day when cable came about. Once an hour, and then it was once, once an hour, and then it's twenty four hours. Yeah. And they just by design have to figure out the next thing to say. And people just naturally click on gossip and rumor and negativity more than, yeah, you just so rarely tune into the news and they're like inspirational story. It's just more often, you know, the world is on fire. And so I don't know. So I, I, but I think what I found is that. People are starting to gravitate towards something like your show rather than, you know, the political ones. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, hope so. or even, um, you know, I feel bad for the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and it feels like people are reading that out of obligation. Some people, and then mm-hmm. you got a, a publication like The Atlantic, which I really like, or Vanity Fair. Which I read both of those, but more and more it's just like this sensationalized crap. It's like Vanity Fair used yeah. to be this really smart, yeah. savvy publication, and now it's like Meghan Markle as Trump's totally <laughs> fucked and just this shit That's that nobody true. gives a fuck about. So right. what you slowly begin to realize is that, at least for me, especially extracting myself from Hollywood. Is this a water situation? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Dude, is that a, wait a minute, let me get you a fresh glass just to make sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> just to make sure. I don't know who put uh, that there. While you're pouring that, i got to tell you something. I never knew that Andy liked you so much. You know how I know he likes you? Because he talked to you. He doesn't usually talk to people. Well, <laughs> wow. Usually I don't get enough sleep. <laughs> oh, is that what, oh, it's not you, TJ. It's me, the fact you got some sleep. Me, no, me either. <laughs> we were discussing this morning just like this idea of how if you're a stand-up comedian or you work in that industry, 
you never wake up at seven in the morning. That's mm-hmm. just is the no. craziest no. idea. And right. so these Fridays for me are just brutal because yep. yeah. I, I can't possibly go to sleep before two in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you, and then it's so hard because especially on terrestrial radio, you have to just be firing on all cylinders. Well, you were huge this morning. And so, but you're, you, you know, I'm lucky that at least I've, I've done it so much. It's like riding a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm as I so I extracted myself from Hollywood. I live in New York City. Well, you're not going to stop acting. Am I? No, no, no. no. Oh, it's, uh, sorry, from physically, from physically Los Angeles. From, okay, good. So, good. and then Kate is this kind of famous installation artist internationally, and so she can really only live in New York because mm-hmm. Los Angeles culturally is just devoid of anything but Hollywood. Right. And because I got to sort of take myself geographically out of that bubble. And then focus on stand-up to be able to tour the country and the world, but specifically America. I find that I'm getting more and more feedback because I meet uh, a certain amount of people after the show. More and more feedback of people that just are kind of unplugging. Or they're almost watching news from like this weird, uh, not aloof, just this very removed position because they kind of see it for what it is. And that's been interesting to kind of hear that, that people are just kind of like the media is garbage, you yeah. know? And they, they have maybe a trusted outlet or two, mm-hmm. but some of the people watching Fox are even like, well, at least it's not this liberal propaganda. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. dog shit, but... It and, all is. And that, but th- so that's so bizarre and the worst thing about that is in the united states the free press used to be a weapon against government against any sort of injustice and now it's losing its power and it doesn't seem to understand that i mean you know when you've got an atlantic a journalist for the atlantic which i've thought for a while was really one of the best publications when you've got him being snarky and being like this movie's such garbage that I, you know, threw away my movie ticket in the, whatever it is. And it's not even funny, but it's just like, it's like, then you lose your credibility. You, you kind of, you become this person that is a fucking high school yearbook writer instead of a journalist. And then they complain that people aren't paying attention to their journalism. And I'm like, well, we're in a bad position here. You're either a snarky asshole or you're writing you know, legitimately for the Wall Street Journal, but nobody's paying attention because they either say you're completely skewed on that side or they kind of are like, yeah, I know, you're just preaching to the choir. And that's a very strange position for America to be in. And then, you know, say what you will about the president and I'll say mostly negative things, Um, not because I'm on either side necessarily, but just because he's a liar. And... You know, you kind of, I think that people are really angry right now. And so they're lashing out. And the most angry people, again, why I moved to New York, (laughs) the most angry people in some ways are in Hollywood because they just thought they were so powerful that they had so much influence. And then suddenly they're feeling America being like, you know, we don't have to, we're not listening to you. You're, you have nothing to do with this. Right. You don't know what it's like to work at an office, in a factory, 
driving a truck. You, you don't have anything or any understanding of that. I have this joke that Natalie Portman was making this speech to all women who had given her a women's award by the by a female society. Just all this like really kind of sexist shit just being right, like right. you fuck you man you're not involved in this whole process <laughs> and then natalie portman was talking she's like we need to make it possible to and nothing against her obviously but we need to make it possible for women all over the country to approach their hr department but women in factories and i'm like you never been to a fucking factory <laughs> you didn't even do your makeup yeah. somebody else did your exactly. makeup and and it's like I love that too. You know, it happens to be Hollywood millionaires giving advice to the common folk. It's and like, and we... I happen to be really lucky to be working in places like the Mall of America because, you know, I I learn I know more about America than she possibly could. I went to a Target twice last week. Once because I ate too much fried chicken and I needed an antacid, <laughs> and the other time That'll because I like Target. You know, yeah, and so you you just kind of find that so. In New York, it's very different. You know, they feel very strongly in a lot of similar ways to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But New York, kind of nobody has time for nonsense. Everybody is right. grinding. They have to make rent. There, it's Life is very much about hustling, you know. I, I don't talk to anybody in New York who doesn't have some sort of side hustle, some sort of... And that's a decision. I mean, you know, you go to other places... I love Appleton, Wisconsin. I play there a lot. And you, those people are having a great time kind of going, yep, I got my nine to five, but I got, I actually have a, a, a little boat that I love. So I, I go on the lake on the weekends during the summer and huge, huge sports fan and, and, uh, you know, travel down to green Bay. So it's, it's much more relaxed. That, that is what they value in New York. The value is how, how much can I work? How quickly can I get from place to place? Um, and everybody kind of respects each other for that. But that's why I don't have a lot of political conversations in New York. And the people that are loudly talking about politics or anything, you know, everyone's kind of looking at them like, shut the fuck up, you know? I'm trying to have dinner. I'm talking about art or culture mm -hmm. or the city. And I don't need to overhear your whole you know, ideology. So for Kate and me, New York seems to be a better fit in every single way, but also just a more, you know, realistic city. I don't even want to say down to earth or grounded, just like mm -hmm. there's a realism there. And so I enjoy coming to Minneapolis as much as going to Phoenix, as much as I'm from Colorado and um, where people Colorado. Denver and people from Colorado hate people from Texas. We're bred. Right. We're reared to have that bias, yeah. that hatred. Um, and people from Texas don't care. They don't even know where Colorado is. They have trouble spelling it. It has too many O's. They're afraid of, of yeah, they're afraid of, uh, you know, the square state. They don't like polygons. And, uh, you know, then, I, but then I go to Texas and I love performing there. They're great. You know, they really, I'm doing San Antonio for the first time next oh, year, but I great Houston's just a fantastic city. Dallas has really got a lot of great things about it. Austin thinks it's much cooler than it is, but it's still Agreed. pretty fucking cool. Agreed. And then, you know, I go to Raleigh, Durham, 
and begin to just get excited about the South. I've even come to love Florida, which is insane to me, but I spent so much time there. I played Miami, Naples, Port Charlotte, uh, uh, Orlando, Tampa, um, Jacksonville. I mean, I've, I have been all over Florida and I, you know, I came to just love how strange they are and they have a good sense of humor about themselves. They the, are only, the only place, the only place that I hate, I, I wouldn't even say that I hate it, but the only place that I won't play places are San Francisco and Seattle. I understand that completely, too. They have no sense of humor. No, and they don't. And San Francisco, you know, if you make fun of them, they're like, oh, why, God, you make, yeah. why are you making fun of us? This is, you're making fun of the city? This is the best city in the world. <laughs> but I, went, I went to a show, and I opened, I go, I'm sorry I was late. Uh, I couldn't decide which city paper to buy. The one where the cover was about how you have the best artisanal cheeses or the one where the cover was that you have the best artisanal meats. <laughs> and you could just feel the audience being like, yeah, tough choice. But it wasn't always that way, right? Like at one point, San Francisco was kind of at the forefront of, of oh, comedy, fuck yeah. right? I mean, think about uh, Robin Williams and you know that whole crew. So what Steven changed? Bright, I, mean, all the, I mean, it's just... When be- did it change? It's become too pretentious, too expensive, and I think it's Silicon Valley. You know, I when I was on that yeah. show, I just thought it was so right on. I didn't realize that people would care about that. I didn't think the pilot was going to get picked up. I just I thought it was too esoteric. But it's such a part of people's lives. And I, you know, we made fun of it for a few years, and then I, in part, left because... I said, you know, this is not very funny anymore. People are going to stop thinking that now now Facebook may have ruined democracy. I, I don't want to necessarily be on a show where they're trying to make that funny. And Mike Judge also started to realize, like, whoa, this is, this is going to be hard to satirize. Because at first, by the second or third season, we were making fun of, you know, these people. But... It's almost like we couldn't catch up to Silicon Valley being so absurd. We were right, trying to, right. we had to put billionaires in tiny cars that fit through alleys and stuff. But we still, Elon Musk would be even more ridiculous than we could make mm-hmm. fun of. And so then I said, I, I, I don't, I got to get out of here. In part also because uh, after four seasons of a show, nobody ever goes. My favorite season of Breaking Bad, season nine. You know, that's just. That's right. why there's the expression jumping the shark. And the show's still people love it. It's still very funny. I do, yeah. Um, I love the show. But I I kind of needed to sort of move on to mm-hmm. doing stuff that, that seemed like the American public needed a little bit more. That's why I did Deadpool is I thought, God, there's so many superhero movies, but this one's R rated. Okay. So that's different. That could open up the genre a little bit. The next film I'm doing is called Underwater. I did it with Kristen Stewart. It's coming out January 10th, 2020. And uh, it's an original property. So instead of being in the reboot of this or that or the R-rated, we were talking about this, the R-rated comedy, Parents' Night Out or, you know, Bachelor Party in Las Vegas 2. I just don't think America really needs that. But they do need kind of original properties, and this is a thriller, and 
they like Kristen Stewart and and but she's in Charlie's Angels. So even she has to kind of do um, these big reboots and we're just recycling culture maybe because we've kind of reached the end of it. But, you know, it's so interesting to me to do. I did a Drew Barrymore film where she plays a, a disgraced movie star. Um, it's almost a little too close to home. And then uh, she plays her own stand in and she doesn't want to be famous. The movie star is trying to get away from Hollywood and all of that. And the stand-in kind of wants to be famous and sort of represents culture now or the the American, that younger demographics that's just like, oh, I want to be famous in any way, shape, or form. On my Snapchat, I want to have 500 followers instead of 300. And I'll do, I, I asked these girls, I've got this bit right now where that I've been working on for a while because it's just, it's hard to express this particular idea, but I've been working on this, this bit and it sort of goes, I kind of ask someone in the front row and I'm like, do you want to be famous? Have you ever thought about being famous? You ever thought about what it would be like to be famous? And they of course go, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, it'd be, it'd be cool to be famous, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah, you could, you know, go to cool parties and premieres and you can get into any restaurant you want and a sort of darkness descends upon you as you slowly become isolated because your friends either want something from you or they envy you oh, in yeah. a way where you can't. Oh, yeah. And then your family starts to sort of become awkward with you, but your parents want to kind of keep their tentacles around you. And so they try and imply that you have a substance abuse problem and they say that they're the only ones that truly understand you, but there's no way that they can possibly understand you. And your sister starts to sort of have this hero worship and goes into the same thing as you and the media can say anything about you without any sort of recourse and people can lie about you and extort money from you so that uh, without you being able to sue them because nobody ever wins a a suit for defamation. But sometimes you'll go to Arby's and the guy (laughs) will be like, and the guy will be like, hey, there's a lot of orders in front of you, uh, but I know who you are. I'm going to get yours right out. There you go. <laughs> extra horsey sauce. So losing millions being sued is worth it if you can get that extra horsey sauce. <laughs> you got to get that extra I horsey like sauce. It, but I um, I asked, I was at a comedy club, because in New York I perform like three to five shows in one night um, on weekdays, because I'm always on the weekends traveling. And, um, you know, it. I asked these young girls, I don't know, they're probably in their 20s. I said, so... Would you like to be, you ever thought about being famous? And all four of them at once go, of course, just all together. And I said, oh, so you have? And the one girl goes, yeah, everybody has. Of course. Yeah, I'd love to be famous. And then the other three girls were like, yeah, totally. We would love to be famous. And it's just this, it's become this celebrity obsession that is so unhealthy because it the the truth of how dark fame is and can be is not being talked about because none of these celebrities want to expose any sort of weakness it's that instagram famous which is this they do these uh what do they call them like instications which is where you you go you'll drive like 45 minutes from los angeles uh, you know, or you go to San Diego, which is two hours away, and then you rent a yacht for an hour, and it's like, who, whatever, two hundred and fifty dollars per person, 
and then you take your Instagram pictures and be like partying on a boat and you're drinking, you're doing, and it's just for your Instagram. It's the only, it's just so that you can say like partying, having the best time, totally living my best life. It's like B-roll for your life. Yeah. And so, you know, people just are so obsessed with the idea of that and don't want to say, well, just ordered a pizza, going to eat it by myself and kill a fucking <laughs> bottle of wine and right. probably probably um, stalk my uh, ex-girlfriend's Facebook. <laughs> you know, they right. just that that's not what you're posting. Right. And so we've got this very unhealthy approach mm-hmm. to life which is sort of fame-centered and it is it's terrible. I don't know anybody you know, I I don't even think I know even one person who um, who is really famous? I mean, I'm talking, you know, my friends that are incredibly f- much more famous than I will ever be: Kristen Stewart, Mark Wahlberg, Jason Bateman, Jenny Aniston. Those sort of level people, they are not going through their day being like everything's perfect. You know, right. they're, they're first of all, it's no one is having a perfect day, no matter how famous you are. But, you know, these people have family members suing them, trying to get money from them. These people have... Kristen Stewart and my uh, wife had a really kind of bonding experience because when they first met, they just found their way to talking about stalkers. And my wife and I have a stalker. I have to... It's from college. I have to sort of... I, I have an alias at hotels and... You know, Kate's had, and then, you know, Kristen kind of say, you know, I had somebody that the police found outside of my house with rope and a knife and, you know, formaldehyde in, in their trunk. So somebody was trying to kill my parents and kidnap me, is what this guy said to the police. God. And, you know, that is fucking horrifying. I mean, yes. Kristen, I had sort of an ironic security detail for a little while. I had a bodyguard who then later tried to extort $279,000 from me. Like, what a shock. Like, like anybody has 270. That's like how dumb he was that he thought that I had a quarter of a million dollars at all. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make like monthly payments on our house. You know, Mm -hmm. I am not rolling and he must've thought I had tens of millions of dollars or something. But she has a full security detail that kind of keeps their distance from her um, by 50 to 150 feet. But they are armed security because she's worth over $100 million. And, you know, she has no idea when somebody could try and attack her. And so that's that whole kind of Jay-Z, Kanye West, watch the throne mentality, which is anyone at any time could try and attack you or take something from you. Or, you know, our stalker was she and she's mentally unwell, but she sort of, um, you know, thinks that Kate stole her life. That's kind of part of that fame bit that I say. So she thinks that Kate stole her life. And so she wants to kind of destroy both of us, but really mostly Kate. And so there's a lot of fear on Kate's end that is kind of like is this woman going to show up at our door with a gun type of fear? And we just have to kind of abate that and keep it at a distance. Otherwise you would, 
go your whole life kind of waking up perpetually in fear and you know no one's going on an interview show talking about that i mean i wouldn't even if this wasn't your podcast i wouldn't go on terrestrial radio maybe i should but that wouldn't be my first inclination i i right i've got to kind of keep the bits going and say no no hey, I understand i'm at the house of comedy tonight come and see me that sort of stuff but i think there will be a time and a place where i just sort of I mean, that bit is why I'm doing it, where I just kind of break down, like, you guys, being famous is, in some ways, the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I mean, it's like being incredibly rich. I dated this uh, daughter of um, these billionaires, and she just had no concept of work ethic. She was so unhappy. She didn't understand the value of a dollar. She was always wondering why things weren't going well for her. That's not a stalker, by the way. And one, yeah, and one. In, <laughs> no, he's too well dressed to be. Yeah, stuck. he really is. Yeah. And uh, and you know, it's it, she yeah. just she, because she was so rich, and in and her family was rich because of their family, not because yeah, of yeah. some genius idea. Yeah, right. What happens is really, really rich people. First of all, the only thing they inherit is a poor work ethic, and second of all. Mm-hmm. They really, really um, see the world as people who are lucky. And the president talks like that. There are people who are lucky and there are people who are unlucky. And that's just the way it is. And so when things didn't happen for her in Hollywood, she was like, well, I'm just unlucky. And then when things would happen for me, she would go, yeah, but you're lucky. And I'm like, no, I work harder than anyone around me. That's how I found success. I'm not innately more talented. Luck doesn't. But so, you know, I, I people don't think about that. They just think, oh, it'd be so cool to just fly on a private jet and get to hang out in the Greek islands. And if you're famous, then you could just get into anywhere. And you're, and that's just not the reality of the situation. And also what's so funny is they're like, well, if you're famous, then you don't have to wait in line at the club. And what they don't realize is if you're famous, you don't go to the club. Right. You would not right. want to be around people who would want pictures and want to right. want something from you. So Kate and I actually in New York City are kind of, you know, there are only certain restaurants that we can go to because they protect us. Page Six has spies that are always trying to figure out sure. where you were and sure. if you were drunk or something like that. And um, and they'll just straight up lie. Drew Barrymore was talking to me about that, that just she was at home and then the next day she was at home working on the lines for the film that we did. And the next day it was in page six that she was drunk at a gay bar with her friend. It just wasn't real, but they don't care. It doesn't matter. They just need something. And there's nothing you can do about it. So Kate and I mostly go to this jazz club and then like five restaurants over and over, or we just stay home. But the jazz club is so funny because nobody cares who anybody is. They just care about the jazz. So we are completely not bothered at all in that situation. And they kind of know who we are. And so they, they really look after us, which is really nice. That's another thing in New York is they kind of are like, Hey, you know, we want you to have a a good time. They're very um, protective of you. We're in Los Angeles. If you go to a restaurant and they're like, well, you're famous. They just are like, you know, we can you can we sit you at the center table? They actually want people right. in the 
restaurant to leave going, you know, it was actually in that restaurant. Because that's, that's a form of advertising in it Hollywood. Is, yeah. kind of, it yeah. is, absolutely. We'll take a very quick break. Be right back after a couple of minutes. And then I'm going to tell TJ why people like his voice. Remember, I promise to do that. Yeah. And I'll do it. And next. I just won't stop using that no, no, voice no, no. to talk. No, I think that's fine. That's what this is all. I, I am working way too hard. You're wearing me out, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> if you uh, could we'll just be... pipe down for a second and let me talk I theory. I will try my best. Absolutely. We'll be right back right after this TJ Miller. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. I got, I got left in the dust. It was sad. Tom Moji. Tom that, Moji. That emoji actually had got a million downloads in the sure first did. minute, though. First minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, how Something many of those like were like a botnet? Kim Moji. But yeah, yeah you were saying, you know, the car- look the, how popular this app is. And the, with the Kardashians sort of were the beginning, I think, of the epidemic. Like, Paris Hilton was there. There were people that were, um, you know, kind of beginning to be famous for the sake of being famous. But the Kardashians painted this picture of, we're famous because we're famous, and we're rich because we're famous, and we're happy because we're famous and we're rich. And that just is, like, so unhealthy. And it also speaks to how actually insecure and sad they are. Yes. I mean, they're just... and it, No one who's actually happy needs validation that frequently. Or is publicly being like, my life is so great. Yeah. You know, and then uh, you've got... If, if your dad is so desperate to be famous that he's like, I'm going to be a woman and I want to be... The, it's like, that. when that happened, I was like, this is... An incredibly unhealthy environment. <laughs> yeah, he, it was nothing about in, uh, orientation. I, I, I don't it think so. I, look, him, I don't no. know. I don't know. I absolutely don't know. But right. once he beca- became a woman, suddenly he was on the cover of magazines. Yep. If right. you're around these women that want to be so famous and then are so famous and are just such a center of the attention, 
maybe you would eventually be like, what if I was a woman? I mean, that's how fucking unhealthy that world is. And I just, I kind of like, you know, Wahlberg just is very private. He just kind of is very private about it. Nice guy, though. Yeah. I've interviewed him several times. He's a really nice guy. And very genuine. Also, really, really about, uh, all about Boston, you know, Private about his religious beliefs because he, he and right. I have never talked about that. Right. But really, really giving to that community, and I, you know, I was raised atheist, so I, I'm, I'm not involved in that or know anything about it. But you didn't turn. What's that? Usually, when you're raised atheist, you become religious. Oh, of- right, that's the rebellion. <laughs> they do. The rebellion is this all. This all is meaningful. God has a plan for me, Dad. Damn. Fuck you. You're not my real father. I my real know. father is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, no, I, I, I kind of... That, that just growing up, that was just yeah. sort of what it was. And, they, you know, there's a saying in my household, which is like, you know, there's atheists and there's religious people, and then there are agnostics, and religious people are cowards. Agnostics are just atheists in denial and then atheists are the people that you know are actually kind of know what's going on so i I just grew up that way Mm -hmm. i think i flirted with like buddhism and stuff like that my wife's a buddhist Mm -hmm. and uh it just it's not for me you can't it's tough to be a comedian and not take anything seriously and then you know quietly be like catholic or something and a lot of my family is because at least you're wired to the mafia then yeah, if you're gonna least, pick any religion. And at least, at least your uh, your church owns the most property in Manhattan <laughs> and is hiding all of that money. Very true. Actually. I I I jokingly visited a Scientology building. Oh God! In uh, Los Angeles, almost just to kind of see what it was like, like watching a, uh, you know, a, a car crash. Kind of can't keep your eyes off or something like that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I came back and I was living with Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine at the time because I've not had a, a very bad. strange life. And, not a bad-looking woman. And uh, not a bad-looking woman. <laughs> not a bad-looking guy. Yeah, that's, that's I ran true. into him in true. New York, and they both kind of look like they're like dolls, you know? Another nice guy, by the way. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really nice and he guy. was quick. He's always quick. He never talks about his career. I'll say, well, what are you up to? He's like, oh, you know, I'm... Filling in for somebody at, at Fox. It's fine. We'll see what happens. This has got to get picked. But anyway, how are you? How's the wife? Congratulations on the wedding. He's just so quick to be focused on you and being happy for what's going on with you. And uh, anyway, so I was, I was living with them and Rebecca Romaine. I said, oh, yeah, I went to the Church of Science. Because what did you do? What, what do you mean? Did you give them your name? And I was like, no, I gave them a fake name. She's like, you prom- I want you to promise me you will never go back you will never talk to anybody who's a scientologist you were in it. and it was kind of scary it just yeah. felt immediately like she knew something or had somebody who had an experience or she had an experience with scientology that was so horrifying that she really wanted and jerry o'connell called my parents and and was like tj you know you better make sure that he never talks to you about scientology Ooh. and it's a this is really really crazy he actually he brought that up when we met up in new york because he was with his parents. But then, uh, years later, I did this film called Unstoppable with uh, 
uh, Denzel Washington, Chris Pine is great movie. Yeah, and those are good dudes. It is a really, it's a it's fun a movie. Really good. Movie. That's one of the few scripts I've actually read. They when the, the, <laughs> the press people badmouthed me in uh, Silicon Valley or on the show Silicon Valley, and they were like. He would show up and to a table read and not have read the script. And I was like, yeah, because I do better with a cold read. And if you read the script, you're not going to laugh hard at the jokes because you already know the jokes. I never, ever pre-read anything. Ever. Yeah. News, whatever it is, I want to be have a natural reaction, just what you're talking about. And I think that's really important. And, you know, you got these studio executives in the room and they're judging the script by how much everybody in the room is laughing. So all of that was by design, but I also just don't really read script. I, I'll read a little bit of a script, but you can tell so much about what the movie is going to be like just from the cast and the concept and who the director is. Right. And, but I could not put that unstoppable script down. It was just so, no, so really good. good. But like movie. ready player one, I didn't read the script for that. It was just like, they called me and they were like, Steven Spielberg wants to do this movie called Ready Player One. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, should I read the script? And they were kind of like, why? And I go, oh, okay. Because what are you going to not? So I'm like, okay. And then I go, when does he want me to do it? And they're like, we don't know. And I was like, okay. So when will I find out? And they're like, whenever he wants to call you. And then... They called and they. I went out to. They were shooting in Watford, England, and they put Kate and me up at this estate. And I said, "So when am I going to be shooting?" And they're like, "Whenever he wants." And so you just sort of sit around, waiting until Steven Spielberg is like, "You know what? Today I think I'll shoot the scenes with T.J. Miller in them." <laughs> and then you go in and, and you shoot it, and it's it's it, it was really a bizarre bizarre thing. But in that movie, Unstoppable, I met Ethan Suplee, who's a who's a great friend of mine, and he didn't bring it up for a really long time. But then I tweeted something about Scientology, and he texted me, and he was like, "Hey, man, you know those are good people. You don't need to make fun of them." And I was like, "Are you a Scientologist?" And he was like, "Yeah." Uh-oh. And it was so interesting because later, Kate and I became really good friends with him, and his sister-in-law is. Um, why am I blanking on her name from California? She was in that movie California with Brad Pitt. Um, she has a, a band. I don't know. What the hell was the name of that show that Ethan Suplee was in, the TV show? He was phenomenal. Oh, I think, it, well, he was in Boy vs. World, but no, no, no. The one you're talking about is uh, My Name is Earl. My Name is Earl. Yeah. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Which was so yeah. great. He was phenomenal in that yeah, show. Yeah, he was so funny. He was, um, yeah. But, Great show. So, and you know, I I didn't talk to him about a lot, but one one day I sort of said, so "What it? What is it? What's the deal with you being a Scientologist?" Juliet Lewis is is oh, yeah. um, yep. she's great. She's so good, and uh, and she's a Scientologist. And I said, "What is the deal with you being a Scientologist?" And he was like, "You know what? There's a bunch of us: Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like Leo, me." Uh, Giovanna Ribisi, um, you know, a couple other people. He's like, you know, we just grew up as scientists. He's like, it's kind of like being Catholic. And I was like, well, do you go to the church anymore? And he's like, you know, when they have family movie nights and there's advanced screenings for stuff, I'll take my kids if they want to say if they want to see Secret Life of Pets before their friends. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go to the whole thing. But he's like, you know, and I. 
And I said, do you give them 10% of your income? And he's like, I mean, I don't have a manager. You know, he kind of, so he really sort of demystified it as like, yeah. he just sort of said like, this isn't this crazy, terrible cult. There, There is, I guess, maybe that aspect. But he's like, for us, it's just... And I said, well, are your kids Scientologists? And he goes, I don't know, as much as someone's kids are Catholic who don't, you know, necessarily have really anything to do with it. I think, like, non-practicing Jews, he's like, I guess they're Scientologists. Yeah, it is really mysterious. Yeah, but but then when you're up close to it, it kind of becomes not that mysterious again because we were such good friends and i wasn't gonna like stop being friends with him because he was a scientologist but and kate kind of had a conversation with brandy his wife and it was just like super chill she was kind of like we haven't had a bad experience with them so i I don't know i don't know why we would bad bad mouth them was that (laughs) I would join if they give me a skipper hat like L. Ron had. Yeah. <laughs> he had his own skipper hat. What the hell was that all of it? Did he have his own like ocean liner too? Or yeah. Something? I mean, there was all this stuff too, where like he wrote so many books and all this. But yeah. I, I think the biggest problem with Scientology is if you're born into it and your parents sort of were part of the seventy, the iteration of it now, from my understanding, is they own a lot of drug rehab centers. Mm-hmm. And they own a lot of acting schools. Right. And so what they do is the people that come to Los Angeles and have either of those problems, a drug problem or an right. acting problem, Very uh, they, they sort of uh, take advantage of those people. And so they bring them in and then you're paying rent to the landlord, which is, you know, certain apartment buildings or Scientologists. And so they're just taking a lot of money from people who maybe are very vulnerable. Right. And, you know, I'm not a fan of that. But then, like Kate was saying, she's like, I don't know, isn't that like what the Catholic Church does? Is you're like, <laughs> need to turn to somebody for, you know, Jesus is my savior. Now here's the collection plate. And then, you know, you put, you donate to the church. It's like, so it's, it's also sort of a transaction. I think the big thing is that in Scientology, you can't leave. And but I also didn't get that sense from Ethan. I, I didn't. I didn't see at any point that he was gonna, you know, that he he kind of was like, it's a take it or leave it situation. We'll take it. So right, right. you want to, you know, do that. And you know, he was also he's in a weird position because he's a great actor. I mean, he mm-hmm. was in American History X. He was in Blow. He's been in these epic movies, and he's incredible in them. Um, but. All of his money comes in, of course, from the residuals from My Name is Earl, but also uh, um, Boy Meets World. So he he sort of was in a weird position where it's not that he wasn't concerned with money, but that was coming in. So somebody taking 10% would be – but he was the first person to say to me, he was like, I don't – want a publicist i want i want to have as few people working for me as possible and slowly in hollywood you find that if you're really powerful you only have a lawyer and maybe a business manager chris rock chris rock i'm not even sure if he has a business manager but that's just really really smart it's like the ultimate power is bill murray because he just has a 1-800 number 1-800 number baby and people know that and and he yep. kind of he really doesn't care about the the Hollywood of Hollywood. He just sort of wants to do 
the work in Woody Allen is like that. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I'm not sure Woody Allen has a, a manager, an agent. Oh, actually, he still has the same managers from when he started, but he kind of does most of his deals because he just doesn't want somebody between him and the work. And um, that's why I left to go to New York because I was like, I can't. I, I have great friends, great friends that are just now getting into that dangerous area where they've been in Los Angeles just long enough to start to drink the Kool-Aid. And it's about when you they're, they've got a house and the house has a pool and then the wealthier ones are going to get a boat that they'll keep. In the, and it's like this really weird version yeah. of suburbia where everyone's life is the same. Everybody cares about it. They're going to the same Emmy parties because they did. And it's pre-Oscar parties are going to be the, the. And that's why there's very few of us in New York because you get kind of sucked into there. But the only people that live in New York are like Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal, Claire Danes, Chris Rock, Susan Sarandon, Janine Garofalo, and that's it. And like Jim Gaffigan, but he's a comic who's right. also doing really right. good work in film and television, and that's it. There's just there's like nobody else, and they kind of have a clique like Ryan and Jake and. Uh, Claire Danes and a couple other, and then Chris Rock is kind of much more family oriented and he actually lives in New Jersey and then there's people like Kate and me that just kind of you know Susan Sarandon lives on our block Janine Garofalo is around the corner we live next to John Leguizamo he also lives there but we they're kind of doing their own thing like Leguizamo is very nice to me but he, it's, he's also kind of like I don't want to be friends with my fucking neighbor you know yeah, that's, yeah. that's like just a regular neighborhood where you're yeah. like I don't want to hang out with somebody that I see all the time coming in and out and then Susan Sarandon is just really focused on politics and Janine Groffalo I think just kind of wants to be in her apartment most of the time so it's very interesting though because I, even though maybe it's some of us aren't that close. It's still, you're in New York. Keegan-Michael Key is another person that lives in New York. and But we're we're actually really close with him and his wife. Um, but they're very politically motivated. They're very New York-focused. And uh, it's just uh, most people, 99% of the people in Hollywood, just get sucked into Los Angeles and Hollywood. And it's really sad to see. I have one good, really good friend. I'm not going to mention his name, but he just, you know, he had a successful television show. Uh, he wrote a great book. Was um, it Jesus? It's Jesus Christ, my <laughs> savior. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jesus actually was a Scientologist. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Yeah, that's and, skipper uh, hat. But I, I, you know, he's found a lot of success. <laughs> and Jesus, not uh, my he, friend. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, and, you know, he, he's kind of gone. It's like I don't even know how to talk to him or what to talk to him about. And I think a lot of those people, too. Kumail Nanjiani is a great friend of mine. Uh, but I, I I think he probably is like I'm hard-pressed to find common ground with you because I live in Los Angeles and you live in New York. Yeah, and you're a, more of a stand-up comic than an actor, even though you've acted more than I have. And I'm more wanting to be a movie star. I don't than see you a that stand-up way at all, comic. 
What do you I mean? See you, I see you as an actor who happens to be a stand-up. Well, that's what most people see me as, but I started off as a stand-up right. and an right improviser. Right but yeah, I think, look, you know, Damn when you become actor. famous for doing film and television, then people, I all the time, people come up to me after a show and they go, you know, I just liked you in this thing. And I, I said, all right, well, I'll come and see you. And you're actually pretty funny. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, first of all, you can say... You were funny. You don't have to modify it with actually pretty. Um, but it's also that they just kind of are like, they almost, some people almost make it like this thing of like, they're like kind of ashamed because they're like, I mean, I came to see you because, you know, I wanted to see you in real life. And, but I just thought that this was a cash grab for you, you know? And really? Yeah, and and that's just not the case because I've just been doing it for so long. But I think, you know, in part I left Silicon Valley to do enough stand-up that people could be like, oh, wow, he's a stand-up comedian. Because I toured yeah. last year, I toured 51 out of 52 weeks. Oh, and then I did Scandinavia, and this year I'm doing a European tour later. But it's, I'm you know, I'm really focused on kind of having people have an opportunity to see me do stand-up. Because I've been in enough movies, I, f- I feel like, and I've been on television enough, it's like, it's enough. Now I can kind of do something where there's nobody between me and the audience. And then also it's really, really fun to be able to, because another reason do people stay in Los Angeles. In yeah. Do you mind if I do? What do you I, mean? Well, with, well, we don't really have the chairs for it. but We do. Okay. I just don't want to. You have to be on stage in about 15 minutes. Yeah, I know, right? No, I love that. I love it. I just don't want to keep you too long, is what I'm saying. Oh, no. So I, um, yeah, just to finish, there's a lot of people that can't leave Los Angeles right. because they have to keep auditioning. And so you have to also get to a certain level to be able to live in New York. And then it's, I feel so fortunate. Every day I wake up, I'm like, thank God I live in New York. It's incredible that I married my college sweetheart. Yeah. And, uh, I can't believe that I can do stand-up and then hit pause on that when a a great film project comes my way. I think it's wonderful, and that that's it's really really lucky. And by but, the way, the reason people love your voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. It only took me like an hour and a half to get. I know. <laughs> no, no. Hey, listen. It's a rare treat to be able to sit and listen to someone like that that knows all about these things and enjoys talking about it. Most people just think, yeah, yeah, whatever, I got to go. I do get sick of my, my own voice, though. So, But why do you think? I know why, because I have the same situation. You have three different tones in your voice. So some people, for you and me, they hear we have a high voice or a mid-range voice or a low voice. They cannot hear all three notes. Isn't that amazing? What makes your voice raspy is the fact you have three separate tones in it, like I do. Really? And, yeah. And people cannot hear all three. They might hear one or two, but not all three. Including you, by the way. You can't even hear it. And I can't. But, uh, yeah, I can hear that I consider you to have sort of a lower, gravelly voice. Right, right. Some I always thought it was voice. marijuana yeah. and clove cigarettes. Well. And I thought that Americans like that cowboy <laughs> ideal. <laughs> But it is true, and you know, I'll. Li- it's, right. I guess to quit with what you're saying to quit. To quit. Um, I when I when I watch myself, I can't hear what other people say nope. as such a distinct voice. That's correct. I can kind of understand that it's sort of raspy and stuff, but occasionally Kate will sort of mention it, just like like teasing me or something like that, and 
it just reminds you. I mean, you know, I'm just like, oh, yeah. But I had the funniest. I, t- I told this story earlier, but I had the funniest experience at a pharmacy where I was on the phone and I was in a heated argument with Kate, I think about trapper keepers. And I was like, well, you know, you fucking, you can't be sure that they all had Velcro. I mean, some of them had to have fucking (laughs) magnets. And she was like, bullshit. They had, if they they had a (laughs) magnet, they weren't a trapper keeper proper. And I was like, well, well, you really think they were off brand uh, trapper keepers? And she was like, there's off brand everything, TJ. It's not a fucking, you know, it's, of course there were off brand trapper keepers. And I, uh, and this woman kind of kept ducking around the, she kind of just would pop into the aisle and look at me and I'd make eye contact with her and she'd be like, wait, go, go back in the other aisle. And then I got off the phone and she came over and she said, I just had the weirdest experience. And I said, what happened? She said, well, I was buying Mucinex <laughs> and I started hearing your voice and I thought it was one of those advertising things where you press a button and the mascot talks oh, yeah. to you and she goes but i couldn't find the the device and she said and then you started saying the f word and stuff <laughs> and i was like well i don't think that the mucinex man would sort of do we saying fucking shit and stuff she said the f word and the s word um and it's just was the weirdest thing and then i i came over and then you, you were right here on the phone I go, yeah. And I go, did you end up buying the Mucinex? And she's like, no. <laughs> no. You know, almost like it was too weird. I'll never buy Mucinex again. It was talking to me, man. I can't buy it. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. It's like a bad acid trip. But uh, yeah, that's how recognizable the voice. There, you know, a lot of people say, I thought it was you. And then you start talking, yeah, and I was yep. sure it was you. Um, so yeah, it's that's the other thing that people don't realize about fame is that. You can't escape it. You no, know, you it's can't. like a. It's it's it becomes part of your whole thing. And Kate always says it's like you can never take a suit made of a three piece suit made of hundred dollar bills off. You just have it on you, and people are gonna look at you and be like, "If I could just grab one of those oh, I know. hundreds, then I would have." That's all I need from you. Just look at you have a whole suit made of it. Just give me one of the and the truth is that the hundred dollar bills are counterfeit. You paid for the suit, but right. the the money's just fake paper. Hey JB, would you just tell them to come on in and we'll uh, we'll get rolling. Thank you, sir. Uh this was to, yeah, by the way, uh what you were saying earlier is hundred percent correct that uh unfortunately if you're that famous, uh everybody who contacts you wants something. Mm-hmm. And it really gets old. That really does get old. And I think at any, actually, at any level of fame. Any do, level. You doesn't do, matter. You're yeah, right. You yep, do have right. people kind of wanting something from you. And you also become a sort of social currency. So, you know, I think th- this is not the case, but let's imagine a family member wants you to come to their wedding. Mm-hmm. But a big part of that is because you're the they're famous family. So they correct. can say T.J. Miller was yeah, there. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, I just recently talked about being famous because I was also sort of ashamed of the idea of talking about it. I just thought there was no humility to it. But now it no, just is this great. It, it, it just is this thing. And so I'm much more open about it. And I think also I'm starting in my stand-up to realize, like, I have to talk about being famous. That's part of 
how people experience me and look at me. And uh, Kate and I just have to talk about it because for our own protection, you know, she has, she has to say, look, I don't think, you know, I, I think I do not think that you should ever tweet about where you are because we have a stalker. I think so don't really ignore that, you know, stuff idea. like that. <laughs> it is a good idea. I mean, even in, like regionally well-known, I mean, obviously regional people are not stars. But no, but you regionally have regionally well-known. I never go out in public ever. Yeah. And when I do, I talk like this. I talk sort of like hey, this. Hey, how you doing? Nice talk. Hey, good to see hey, you. Hey, jeez. Hey, do you, could we have a table for two? 99% of people are nice as hell. Yeah, I think that's true. They are. 99%, but, but I 1% think, is dreadful. Yeah, you get people that kind of go, hey, can I get a picture? I, I hate to be this guy, and I don't want to be this guy. And I'm in a, an important conversation with my wife, and... Kate will be like, then don't be that guy. We're in the middle of a conversation. And I'll be like, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I can't take a picture right now. I'm kind of in the middle of something, you know, with Kate. And they'll be like, you know what? Fuck you, man. I didn't, I didn't even know who you were. My my girlfriend made me come over here and ask for a picture. But you're fucking, they said you know, good face. luck. Yeah, sure. Really? I, I mean, that 1%. It's 1%. 1% yeah, yeah. And yeah, we, had a, we had a, girl, a woman... Uh, Kate's father lives in Long Island, and we had a woman at a restaurant. She was sort of drunk, and she was like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a comedian, <laughs> but not a very good one. And she's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? And I go, I'm a stand-up comic, and I, I do some acting also. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know some actors. And I go, okay. And it, it, was, it was very apparent that she just had no idea. And so I go... All right, well, and then we took off, and she goes, hey, good luck in your career. And I was like, thank you. Yes, I think, yeah, I hope, I hope. She goes, you're going to need it, TJ. Oh, my God. And it was a really weird, mean-spirited thing where she was like, you're never going to be anything. And you do get that energy from some people. You get people that are like, well, you used to be funny, but now you're not. And it's like, you just have to kind of learn to be like, okay. Because, you know, you the do. stand-up comic in me wanted to yell back, like, and good luck with your lonely, drunken, elderly phase of your life, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but I'm not going to, I don't, I don't, I don't need to do that. And she doesn't need to hear it. So I, I try and kind of take it with a grain of salt. And, and Kate sometimes is like, what the fuck are you doing looking at a Google alert of your name. Why the fuck would you do that? And I'm like, yeah. well, it's, it's sometimes it's important to have a barometer of what people like and don't like. And she's like, just fucking get off the internet. Who gives a shit? They're, you know, it was in fact, Louis CK was like, it's like a ghost punching you. It's not going to hurt you. And it only scares you if you pay attention to right. it. And, um, and I, I think, though, that I said to Kate, I said, look, you know, I see it one step removed. It's like they're talking about somebody that's not me. It's a, it's a person that I created, and then they're saying good things or bad things about it, and I'm kind of looking on. But I, I think, yeah, it's, it like takes a, it's almost like a mental training to just be like, People are going to be horrible to you, and especially in this current climate. But I, I think, you know, it's more what you're saying, which is 99% of the people are so very, nice. They they are just, and they're really, really 
Um, I always appreciate it when somebody doesn't want a picture, but instead, like, I just want to tell you, I really, I really love your work. I mean, thank, thank you for all the laughs. You've been making me laugh for years, and I just really appreciate it. I just wanted to tell you thank you. That's wonderful. And it's like, wow, you know, you don't need to say that. You don't need to come up and express gratitude, but that means that I'm doing at least some stuff that, that people that's making people laugh and making people happy. And that's the whole reason that I do it. That and I want to buy a 10-story golden yacht. You're damn right. All it wouldn't need, float, you know? but at least you own it. Yeah, right, exactly. I'd have it out, out front of my, I'd have it in my front yard if I had a front yard. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. You might enjoy this on the way out. So, in Florida, we got on. Do you ever play the Improv in West Palm Beach? Yes, that's another. That's another place okay, I've been. Yeah. Next time you come, I, I got to give you my number so you call because because we spent a lot of time down there in the winter. Oh yeah, I love that place. We're a couple of blocks from there. Snowbirding it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, and they still have the place. Blue Martini across the street, yeah, which is where Blue everybody Martini's went to have yeah. drinks. Yeah, that's a great club. So I'm down there. Uh, yeah, please last do. Last winter. Yeah, yeah. I will. I'll give you my. You, you, you know, they're great places to go. A lot, very private too. Yeah. But so, I'm walking around with my wife, and there are these three guys that are that are. Whoops! Did I get unplugged? Uh oh. It's fine. Oh, it's no, fine. Oh, that it's was my, me. Those are messed oh, up. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> JB. I don't know why <laughs> they do that. Typical. <laughs> so anyway, we're walking, and there are these three guys that are that are like talking to one another and they're pointing at me and they would look at me and then they would, and I'm in Florida. Right? Yeah, so nobody yeah, knows yeah. who the hell I am in Florida. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could remember the guy's last name. Cause I actually think he's a great, a great actor. <laughs> but finally one of them came to me saying, Hey man, I'm sorry, but we're big fans. And I just wanted to come over and say hello. I said, how do you even know who I am? And he goes, Oh man, I loved you in tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was Perfect. Ian. Uh, what's his name? Ian. 
Ian McShane God, or whatever. That's Ian perfect. McShane. Yeah, Ian McShane. They thought I was, first of all, I'm about a foot taller than Ian McShane. Right, exactly. But it's the, it was the voice. And, and and apparently to, my eyes are like his. Well, and, and to I you, you're like, I don't look of. anything like that person. But I love, for, <laughs> so, Kate, Kate still laughs because we watched Napoleon Dynamite recently. Oh, and God. Kate still laughs at the fact that in the beginning... Because we've been together since college, so she's been there for the whole thing. And that people used to be like, Napoleon. And they'd be like, are you Napoleon Dynamite? (laughs) And then now I have people, it really, I have people go, wow, Lil Dicky. We have Lil Lil Dicky. And I never thought, what are you doing here? And I'm like. I'm not Lil Dicky. <laughs> I, I have no a concept sense. rap album, but I am not Lil Dicky. I don't and then see some it, people but I can see how they see it. So, some people go, uh, "Oh my it's God, phenomenal. are you? You're Seth Rogen." What Seth like, Rogen? No, that one. And I no. think it's just like if you have vaguely Jewish hair. Yeah, then you get all those Jewish people. Hair. I like that. I used to think Jewish you were that guy, that curly haired guy on Workaholics. I can't think of his name. Oh, with the super long hair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's so you. funny. I know. I mean, that's, you know, you get that too. And when you've been in a lot of stuff, sometimes people are like, did we go to high school together? Oh, yeah, that deal, <laughs> yeah. Just, you kind of, but yeah, it's always, it's the voice. And, you know, there's just, yeah. there's different yeah. levels of it. And now, you know, you get, do we go to high school together? You're that guy from the TV show. Oh, I've seen you in this movie and this movie. What's your name? And then, uh, and and then, uh, hey, you're T.J. Miller. And then, maybe one day, but for people are just like that cannot possibly be that person. That's just Jen Aniston says all the time. She can go to a restaurant, and everyone is like, "There's no fucking way that Jennifer Aniston is in this restaurant right now." No, exactly. They didn't want to come in, but they do need to go. go. Yeah, so. Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, enjoy the hot sauce, and let me get out of let me get out of your way. It was wonderful talking with you. Oh, it was great talking to you. I I just love sitting back and listening to someone who, but most people won't talk about stuff like that. I think that's it's going to be a component of my act. I think it's interesting. I think it's it's a great idea because nobody else is talking about it. It's, it's honest, and there's not a lot of honesty right now. Yeah, that's true too. I think that's a good thing, man. I really do. TJ, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. See me at the House of Comedy. Tonight, tomorrow night, two shows, as a matter of fact. And you had a lot of input today. That was good. Yeah, it was basically the TJ Miller show today. But that was, no, that was great, man. I thought that was a great show. I mean, you're so, you're way, like, it's completely negative. Like, Google TJ Miller, and it's nothing but negative stories. What? It, right, now. right now, it really Let's is. For you, though. But not then, for me, Pally. This is why I like my job because I feel like I'm looking behind the curtain a little bit because I'm hanging out with you and yeah. you're just yeah. like this really thoughtful, introspective, calm dude. And the media portrays you as like this aggressive frat bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, until, until yeah. like, but then it'll be like in a couple years or whatever. Then it'll be back to like something positive because before that it was like, oh, he's funny and everything that he does and he's. Like, so they just, yeah, it's it, it is an American story. They build you up to tear you down, yep. to watch you build back up to tear you down. They do it with sports. They, they do it with everything. Yeah, I'll give you an example, just very very quickly. So I got put in a National Radio Hall of Fame two years ago. So I go down there, 
you know, we're hanging out and everything is good and, you know, just having a really great time. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so he did an article. Wow. About, well, it was very nice. I mean, it was very nice. Yeah, it's a big deal. But they did an article about me in the local newspaper, and it was a really, really nice article. And then at the very end of the article, they had another guy that said, yeah, I always thought he was a racist, a homophobe, and a sexist. Why would you throw that in there even? Even if you believe that's true, why did you put that in You're there? like, what are you talking about? I'm only a sexist. Yeah, come on, I'm only sexist. Well, uh, I mean, if the woman's yeah, black, it's, then... It's got, it's got, it's, it's got to be something. There's got to... There's, you they know, have there's, to nail you. They have well, to nail you. People they form an opinion about you, and then they never update it. They just... You no, know, they don't, do what, they? First they impressions are true. the only impressions for a lot I of guess. people. I tell you what, I'm never. I'm not doing Tombstone again. That's all I'm telling. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to do the Tombstone I'm out remake. I'm that franchise. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, man. All right, thank, thank you. you, Tom.